and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is singer-songwriter J.R. Richards. Now, J.R. was the former frontman of the band Dishwalla, who had the massive hit back in the 90s, Counting Blue Cars. It peaked at number 15 in 1996 on the Billboard 100. The song was everywhere. Still fantastic song to this day. He talks about whether it was a blessing or a curse, how much positive and negative feedback he got for that song, and how many blue cars did he count? And he answers the question, did he ever own a blue car? Yes, I asked the hard-hitting questions. The band broke up in 2005. They reformed in 2008. GR went off on a solo career and opted not to rejoin the band. He's had some amazing work since then. His last album, Under the Covers, is a covers album of some of his favorite songs. But we also talk about the Shuala's career and a bunch of songs in particular. Charlie Brown's Parents, Miss Emma Peel, which was a tribute to the late, great Diana Rigg, who passed away before we recorded this interview. Emma Peel was one of the main characters on the TV show The Avengers back in the 60s. Not the superheroes. We talk about, I guess you can say, his crush <laughs> on uh, Diana Rigg, who was also in, she was Lady Tyrell in Game of Thrones. And they redid the movie in 1998 with uh, Uma Thurman, which was absolutely terrible. And they had a song on the uh, soundtrack. JR is a third generation songwriter in his family. Amazing songwriter. And we kind of joke about how he doesn't write any happy songs, but they're fantastic songs nonetheless. And this interview, I really enjoy. JR is a fantastic guy. And I hope you enjoy it. So, JR, thank you so much for joining me. This is a, a real treat for me. Um, you know, the world now is a lot different than it was a year ago. Um, right. Yeah. What what has the pandemic done to, like, you know, kind of affected your schedule for this year? Um, well, you know, this was going to be a year for me where I was going to be touring for the majority of the year. Um, and then, uh, and as well as doing some recording for, for this next album that I'm working on. And unfortunately, I've had to cancel both of those things, um, all of that. So I think, cause uh, in fact, interestingly enough, I think in February, um, I was about an hour away from leaving to go to the airport and, um, and sorry, doors banging in the background. No problem. Windy, windy today. Um, but um, yeah, I was, supposed to go, I was supposed to go to the Philippines and right before I left that day, the um, health minister in the Philippines had decided that, you know, large venues, any venues above 500 seats is they're closing. So that was kind of the beginning of, of it for, for touring for me, because I was supposed to be all through Asia and the U S and, and uh, as well as recording. And um, I'm, I'm stuck in, well, not stuck in the UK, but I've, I've had to stay here. Right. Have you like turned to kind of like, you know, those like virtual concerts, like a lot of artists have done that? <laughs> You know, I haven't done too many of those, only, only a few things. And um, I mean, I'm not really sure why. I, at one point, actually, I had set up to do something a little more extravagant. And then we had a complete meltdown. A tree fell here and took out all the internet um, for, for like a week. So, um, and then I just got sucked into doing something else. Um, and uh, just because even if I'm going to do something like that, I have to kind of rewire my studio to to uh, be set up for that properly. So that's a bit of work. Yeah, it's amazing if this thing happened, you know, even 10 years ago, 
you know, the world was so different 10 years ago with technology. Oh, no. We wouldn't even be able to, you know, do half the stuff that we're doing right now. Oh, I know. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's crazy because I, I have been super busy. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember thinking, telling my wife, man, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I, my whole band that I play with is in based in Los Angeles and all the shows that I'm supposed to do in Los Angeles or in, out in Asia. And so, um, but uh, despite that, I've just been super busy working with other artists and producing and co-writing and, and it hasn't, hasn't slowed down. Uh, that's great. Now a, a little bit about your, your um, it's going to kind of bounce around a little bit, but uh, yeah, 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 that's fine. Your, your, your uh, covers album, which is fantastic, you know, under the covers, start right there. Um, have those like the songs that you, you know you had one more try for you know I want to break free, black, hallelujah, you know, actually, mel melodies, it, it's it's fantastic, you know, from from start to finish. Those artists, did those they influence you any bit, or just the songs that you you thought they would be fun to play? Like, how did that come about? Like, the, the track listings for those songs? I, I think it's kind of both of those things. I mean, I, I started by going back and looking at songs that influenced me, and because there's so many. Right. Um, and, and maybe some songs I like better than even ones that were on the album. But then it was like, okay, what, what, what can I, what do I think I can do justice to? Just because all of the songs on the album are all amazing songs that have already been done in, in in like an ideal fashion so it's it's kind of being more of another option yeah. you know as opposed to trying to better anything but just you know making sure that i don't fall super short and mm -hmm. then i feel comfy you know being you know, feeling like i can cover vocally well enough and, right. and you know make it interesting enough to yeah, were there any like you mentioned ones you know you thought you could not do justice to were there any ones that you really were excited to you know perform and then you just said i can't do this um i mean that's a good question um i don't know i mean i i think that uh like well one song that i, I really love is i i absolutely love um in your eyes by peter gabriel which is one that i wanted to do and I, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, and uh, so I just ended up not doing that one. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's just uh, kind of depends on the mood that day, I guess, too. You know? yeah. um, but uh, and all it takes is one comment from somebody that I know, too. That's just like, oh, that doesn't seem like it's, you know, and then it's like, OK, yeah. over, done. Right. Yeah. Do you hear any feedback from any of the artists that you cover? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the only time it's ever happened is because I, I remember when I was in Dishwalla, we we were on a, um, a Depeche Mode tribute album um, back in the day, and, and um, uh, the song that we did, and of course, it's it's eluding me right now. Um, uh, I ended up talking to uh, Martin Gore, who's kind of the, you know the main songwriter of the band. He 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 came to one of the shows, and we were chatting after after the show and he'd said that it was his you know his favorite track on the album thought we did a brilliant job right are you, you're a big fan of them yeah as a kid growing up i mean you know i was into everything but um yeah i really did uh I, he's a great songwriter you know he, yeah he, he, even in that you know electronica skin they just did such a brilliant job of creating great song and they're a great live band too which you wouldn't yeah. expect yeah, for, so, um, yeah 
saw them two years ago the last time and yeah they yeah. they still rock as well as they did in the 80s. yeah i mean gahan is just he's a total rock star i mean yeah. you know you could be watching acdc for all you know i mean the, the attitude that he carries with yeah. him is just you know like, yeah it's yeah. awesome so happy that he you know turned his life around you know, yeah yeah unfortunately he was getting a little too into the the rock thing yeah <laughs> right yeah so, no I'm, I'm glad he's uh he's right. healthy here these days yeah like you mentioned like you, you were a fan of them back in the 80s but like growing up who else were some of your influences um you know i, mean, I loved you too as well i loved queen you know, i was i'm really into bands that had good vocals you know obviously you know was my thing um and uh, you know, I started studying opera technique when I was about 18. So bel canto. So yeah, it's, you know, I have high appreciation for guys that can sing rock and, and do it really well and, on a cons and, and live sound great too, because it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Right. Um, you know, go out and, and, you know, in essence, kind of trash your voice to a large degree for, for hours and days on end. Policy of Truth, that's a song that you guys covered. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was bugging me. I couldn't remember that for a while. Yeah, no, no, no. Thank you. Yeah, policy truth.
eighties is yeah, Peter Gabriel certainly too. Right. Um, and uh, but you know it's all over. I was in a funk band. I was a keyboard player in a funk band in the early eighties um, when I was really young. Yeah, I was the token white guy. <laughs> and so, but I really got into you know a lot of yeah. music that I probably wouldn't have just because I had I had to learn it. Right. You know? yeah. So um, that was very cool huge like you know i think prince is absolutely amazing genius in his own right too so yeah and you also kind of pick up on things your parents listen to as well as oh you, yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know beatles and my, my dad was a songwriter okay. himself so so was my grandfather so you know a lot of singer songwriter stuff growing up yeah. you know cat stevens and jim croce and beatles and yeah. that kind of thing so a lot of discussions about you know good songwriting and good bridges and good lyrics and those kind of things yeah how old were you when you wrote your first song nine okay mm -hmm. now did um after you wrote it, i'm sure you're very proud of it did you present it to your father or grandfather to, you know yeah i played it for him i mean it was just an instrumental so yeah i think i was about 11 when i wrote my first song with lyrics it was called liberate <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's pretty awful, but, <laughs> but it, it, at the time I was, I was proud and yeah, I definitely showed, showed my father, see what he thought. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of rare to have like a songwriting family. Usually it's like, you know, like singers will, you know, kind of have a family. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, when my grandfather was doing it, he was part of a duo, um, where he would do the lyrics and, and he had a guy that he wrote with that did all the chords and melodies. So. It's more of that kind of traditional kind of songwriting team. Um, so he wasn't a singer. My dad was, uh, along with all of my uncles and stuff. They all quite musical. Right. So the first song like that you wrote that actually you recorded. How old were you? What happened? Oh God, that's a good question. I'm probably 14 or 15. Um, the the house that my parents moved into when I was five um, had a recording studio. Um, it had a garage that had been converted and attached to the house completely. Actually, it looks like they built it from the ground up. So it was all 70s technology, but okay. um, control room and tracking room, machine room, work room. It's amazing. So, and you know, all insulated and everything. So it was easy to rock out in the neighborhood yeah. uh, without, you know, pissing the neighbors off too much. Right. Um, so it was always the ideal place to practice. And and even many of the things that Dishwalla and even myself have recorded, I've done in that building right. um, just because it's, you know, I mean, I actually built a proper studio in it, so. Right. Great. How did you uh, like meet the guys from Dishwalla? Oh, good question. Well, um, kind of, Santa Barbara is a small town. So, you know, uh, we were all from Santa Barbara initially. Um, and uh, because I had a recording studio, I had a lot of artists coming in and out. So I, I you know, would work with a lot of people and uh, befriended, you know, various musicians. Um, George, the drummer in Dishwalla, I mean, I, we were in a band together when we were both 12. So I think all the other guys were, you know, 25 and up. But, you know, we were like, this, we were the most serious guys in the band, too. Um, so he and I have known each other for a long time and, and then I knew Rodney, the guitar player, from meeting him through another band that he was in. Yeah, so it was all really mostly just kind of that small musical community. Right. You know, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, Tether Sprocket right. was, 
busy. I know all those guys and um, uh, there were, yeah, quite a few. There's Ugly Kid Joe that, I don't know if you remember Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah, they came out just before us. That's a Santa Barbara band as well. And there's a band called Summer Camp that actually was amazing that had a fantastic first single, but they just had, I think just issues with business, but they were signed to Maverick. They were going to be like the next big thing. Right. Um, Madonna's label. Um, for some reason it didn't work out. Those guys were just put out a phenomenal album to all Santa Barbara guys. Yeah. Like Ali Kid Joe, they had the Cats in the Cradle like cover, right? Yeah. That was the follow up to every, I hate everything about you. Right. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, and you mentioned Toad. I had a Dean Dinning on like about two years ago. Oh, cool! Yeah, Dean's. It, you know, it's funny enough. I was in a band with Dean. Okay. I was the keyboard player, and he was the singer, the lead singer in the oh, band. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, totally random. You know, I ended up becoming a lead singer. He ends up becoming the bass player. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And both of you did quite well, so it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think Dean's a good guy. Super talented dude. All yeah. those guys are. Yeah. So totally, yeah. Glenn was doing a lot of like, uh, like virtual stuff. You know, yeah. Months, so yeah, good for him. So, were you like when the band started? Were you the principal songwriter? Yeah, um, you know, I was the lyricist by default. You know, just because nobody else really sang, and and uh, you know, I kind of grew up in that environment. Um, and I was writing a majority of the material. Yeah, from from day one. Right now, like being on your own for. It's been quite some time now. Is yeah. it is it easier to like write songs and just perform as a solo artist rather than you know write for a band and kind of present them to the band? Well, I think you know bands get complex. I think you know certainly at the beginning, you know we were super young, very little responsibility, kind of everything is cool, right. and and it's it's I don't know it was felt much more like a collaboration in spirit, even if certain people were doing majority of the actual creative work but then um you know as things go on everybody starts kind of drifting off into their own thing and then and then people start having their own you know view of how we should evolve and so i think we kind of so i think that you know writing but it's tough if you feel like you need to be a certain kind of sounding band but you don't write the songs that's that's tough and then if you're the one writing the songs you're trying to appease everybody it just it, it started to become a bit of a challenge to try to feel like you're you were maybe I don't know if the songs might be um, taking a hit from being realized as far as they could go in order to um, make everybody happy, really. Right. You know? So it, it, yeah. it complex. Yeah. Did it like the band like kind of set off first as like a democracy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's we've always we've always done it that way, right. which is which is great. Um, I think that's a good, good way to go. And, and, you know, everybody's super talented in their own right. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we went through, but, you know, a good amount of, um, changes in personnel. I mean, so, um, cause we originally hired a keyboard, had gotten a keyboard player, this guy, Greg Kalonic, who was great, super cool guy to play keyboards, but he left the band right before we got signed. Um, and because I play keyboards, but I'm the singer, so it was kind of we, you know, it was more of a about that live thing, and and uh, which is a bummer because Greg really brought you know a lot of cool stuff to it. So when we did that first album, it was just four of us, and I just played all the keyboards on it, which was fine. Right. And then we added another guy from Santa Barbara when we started touring, Jim Wood, and just added him into the band just officially when we were doing our second album. Right. 
Now, you know, the first album took off, uh, you know, guys won a ton of awards, you know, for Counting Blue Cars. Um, was that, yeah. that album just, was it easy just to write? How long did it take just to complete that album? <laughs> um, well, um, I mean, Counting Blue Cars was pretty easy to write, yeah. but and I think a lot of times the songs that, that will sometimes songs when you're writing, they just kind of sneak up on you and they happen quickly and they just feel really solid and they're pretty easy. And, and then you, you know, set them aside and you move on. I don't think that I ever looked at that song and was like, this should be a single, you know, it wasn't really that kind of right. song. There were other songs that I thought might be cool, that I thought were cooler. Yeah. Um, that either became a later single or just weren't at all. So, um, you know, and, and I, and yeah, and I think that I'm still writing when we were in the studio that first time around. Um, and, uh, you know, we were kind of, at that point, because I think it was interesting when we went into the studio for that first album, we had this kind of spread. We had this, this stuff that, that felt kind of almost techno-ish, R&B-ish. Right. And then we had this stuff that was much heavier, kind of more grunge-ish feeling. Right. And so I, what we ended up doing was we kind of took the songs that were a little more of a hybrid of that. And that's what ended up going the album. And then the ones that were more on the fringes, you know, of, of the pendulum, right. those weren't put on the album. So then it was like, okay, now we need to write X amount more, you know, to, to, to fill a whole album. Right. So, you know, but yeah. So some of them, some of them were hard. Right. Yeah. Now I'll, I'll get to kind of blue cars in a, in a little bit, but um, the record company like have give you a lot of influence on what songs to put on that album and like kind of um, the metal of, you know, like, you know, grunge or like, you know, techno, they really, you know, influence you guys? It was just yeah, I mean, uh, luckily, uh, Mark Mazzetti, who's the guy that signed us, um, he was also a and for Janet Jackson and Sting. Um, so he, you know, he had quite a full plate. Right. Um, as well as, I think, uh, I forget her name. She's only hugely famous. I don't know what her name So I must be getting old. Um, but uh, yeah, he was really cool because he was one of those guys that really looked at each song more about how good of a song is it? I don't really care what genre it might fit in right. because, you know, the common thread will be guitar tones and my voice or, you know, certain things about it. And so he was more about, let's just put the best songs on. So, um, and funny enough is when we were working on the song originally, when we had done our demo tape, we had done it with, um, uh, Ken, Ken Jordan from Crystal Method. Okay. Right. This is before Crystal Method, though. Okay. And Ken's like ridiculously talented guy, right? But I remember we were like we had a song called Moisture that's got like it's super heavy, but then it has these um, it had this whole like looping drum distorted like uh, techno you know R and B. It's just really weird feel thing to it, and it compl- it changed uh, tempos from one. And it just, and then goes into a different tempo and then goes back. And it, it was just it was kind of mental in that way. Like nobody does that. And so he and I are driving one day as we're recording this and he's going, you know, moisture, I don't think that should be on the demo. And I was like, what are you talking about? Cause I, I'm like, I think, I think it's awesome. I want it to be on the album, you know, ideally when we get signed. And he said, no label in the world is going to let you put that on an album. He said, it's just, you can't have a song that, that goes from completely one tempo and then stops and goes, he's like, that's just mad. It's going to freak people out. But Mark Mazzetti was, he loved it. He's like, oh, that's great. Right. Do it. 
So we were, we were really, actually one of the reasons why we went with A&M was because of Mark and his attitude towards the songs and the creative freedom part of it. Great. Yeah, one of the songs because you had some very interesting titles on, on that album. Uh, you know, you, you know, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown's Parents, which is more of like you know the grungier side, which mm -hmm. I liked, and Miss Emma Peel, which people might not know was part of the Avengers, not not the yeah. you know superheroes, but the, the TV show back in the sixties. Terrible movie though. I don't know if you saw the, the remake with Ralph. Yeah, Hall. I know it's just awful. Well, the the very first one with Uma Thurman. Yeah. Um, we had a song called that I wrote called Truth Serum that was on it. Trust me.
which is cool because there were a lot of cool bands on it, but the, the movie was really yeah. bad. It was always bad, yeah. I remember seeing that. I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, disappointing because I remember like watching the TV show a little bit with my, you know, mom growing up but yeah yeah I mean, there's a lot of potential for something yeah. wonderful to happen because it was such a great tv show it's such a yeah. cool vibe to it and they completely yeah they completely yeah. messed it up right yeah so how did you go about like you know writing that song well i, I was had a massive crush as a kid on on uh uma thurman i'm not uma thurman excuse me i'm a, she's lovely too but right, yeah. um right. diana rig right. uh and i loved that show and the funny thing is <laughs> is um if you ever see a picture of my wife she, she's my wife is very posh british okay yeah and um brunette you know she looks like she could be that character right. you know not that i was doing it on purpose it's oh, just no, funny how that i ended up right. marrying that you know yeah that person but um you know she's a super badass too at the same time so yeah. uh and um but uh yeah because her father was MI6 and oh wow <laughs> yeah so she's she's cool but yeah so who, who knew you know because I think a lot of people don't you know unless you were lucky enough to catch that show because it was a British show most of it was in black and white right. even you know um, it came on it came on after the saint oh, seen, yeah. which was Roger Moore was the lead on that who eventually became the second well I guess the third James Bond that's right yeah so um, anyway, but I, I loved a lot of that, the British uh, culture, whether it was music or TV right. or movies, just because yeah. they do they do awesome stuff. So I wrote a song about it. Oh, cool. The Saint, <laughs> they made Val Kimmer. Val Kimmer made that movie, which was yeah. better than the Avengers movie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly because you know no one has an original idea; they have to remake everything now. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, also, you know, Charlie, Charlie Brown's parents that had, you know, obviously the cartoon of the Peanuts, every adult teacher, parents, the wah, wah, wah. So that was right. an interesting, you know, song to make, you know, listening to adults, basically not making any sense, to, you know, to kids. So that was pretty much the, uh, you know, the, I guess the origin of that song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just that idea of hearing people talking to you, but you don't understand what they say, they're saying. So, yeah, yeah you know, it, it is an odd phrase in hindsight, but I, you know, I didn't really think twice about it when I was writing. <laughs> yeah, and that like you had a, a, a acoustic album stripped, you know, years yeah. later that featured that song, which basically it's it's a fabulous version too. I think that's more more of a pow powerful song. The acoustic than the actual oh wow that that's that's cool it's funny that the first review i heard on that is is you know was from a fan okay but and he was he was like commented on as i had posted it as one of the songs somebody posted or whatever and the first comment was this guy was like nope 
can't, can't do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he clearly, you know, he, he preferred the other version. Right. But, um, which is funny, which is totally cool. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a big bombastic song, right? And so, and then you, you take it and put it to piano all of a sudden and, I, you know, you're covering it and, and you're right. It's like, can you still capture that energy and, yeah. and power of it, you know, in, in that way. I mean, I, obviously I, I, I was doing my best to do that, but um, yeah, uh, it, it was an interesting juxtaposition from the original. I can't hear what you're saying what you're doing to me can't you see it would take the charge of life to pry open your words cause I don't want to talk about over I don't want to go on pretending now because it feels like I'm talking to, talking to Charlie Brown's parents. It feels like I'm talking to a lonely song you can interpret them i think you know better than you know the, the original version you know which not oh, yeah. getting away from that but it's you know i think it's a little more pow powerful in that regard. oh yeah 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 you know you're absolutely right I, part of it too is because it's also well there's not a lot of competition because there's not drums and guitars and everything but there's also slowing it down too. the tempo means that you know when you're singing a phrase it, it stretches it out longer so it's easier to to really kind of really sing each word and instead of flying through it really fast, that's a little more. Yeah, like most of, yeah. Most of the songs you write, do you do it acoustically first? And then like when you're in the band, present it to the band and then kind of like, you know, rock it out. Does that have, have the process is? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I have to be careful not to do too much sometimes because then I'm kind of stepping on people's toes. I mean, that's kind of how it was in Dishwala. Um, so, unless I had something really definitive, yeah. you know, from a, from a groove or feel wise. Right. And sometimes it would be a part, you know, a guitar part or a keyboard part or beat or something. Right. 
Um, but other than that, yeah, I would try to bring it in from in a very, yeah. you know, basic, either on a piano or a guitar. Yeah. Now, you know, I guess we'll talk Kevin Blue Cars now. Um, you said that was a pretty easy song song to write. Uh, mm -hmm. When you presented it to the record company, they said, this is going to be a hit. This is going to be the first single. Yeah, well, it was like the record company had, when the album was delivered, I think they were excited about certain songs in our demo that we had, was floating around. Um, but but when the uh, album was delivered, there there ended up being three different camps in in the label that all I think they all agreed on the same songs, but they disagreed on what order to release them, right? So because we had another song called Haze that was actually technically our our first single, right. and it, it didn't it didn't really do anything, you know, um, certainly not in the way they wanted it to. So they kind of pulled it, right, and. Uh, pretended that they didn't release it and then and then uh, and then turned around and, and did um kind of blue cars after that so yeah um so with kind of blue cars um it's a very powerful song uh what was your inspiration for writing
journey song I guess you know sometimes I don't I mean for me as a writer I think that if I sometimes if I try to write a song about something often it doesn't really work out that well for me so what I do is I just start writing I write in a journal I'll just write things down and and you know after writing for half a page or a page or so you know things start to show up and and then I go back later and I collect those things and I'll put them onto another piece of paper or put them in a computer and, you know, just the idea of this kid going on this, this young kid going on this journey, which is kind of more of a spiritual journey, I guess, um, just kind of showed up, <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of those experiences I had when I was a kid, when I would travel and all the little, you know, things like trying not to step on the cracks on the sidewalk or, you know, counting only blue cars, you know, to pass the time, those kind of things. Um, yeah, you know, and I... I it's interesting. Um, I think some of the better songs I've written are ones that I don't really, they just kind of appear. It's almost like it's not really coming from me. It's coming from somewhere else, you know, and it's the songs that I try really hard to make amazing are, are absolute shit. So that's just kind of how it works. Right. Most of the songs that you write then, are they come from personal experiences? Um, usually, I mean, often they can come from experiences that other people have had too you know, that affected me in a certain way. So I'll, I'll write about it. Um, and, you know, I might change the names to protect the innocent. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, and I'll even do that for myself too. Some of the personal stuff that I've written about, you know, close friends, family members, those kind of things and, and some heavy duty situations, but I'll, uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll create a character out of it. You know, and, and so it doesn't necessarily always follow exactly maybe what the story is. You know, it's, I don't know. It's all part of the magic of writing stuff. It's interesting. I try not to be, put too many rules in my head on how I should be able to do it, I guess. Yeah. Now, you wrote that song, I guess, over 25 years ago, right now? Probably close. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, make you feel old. Yeah, I feel old, too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, what since the world's changed so much in the past, you know, 25 plus years, do you expect the kid to have different thoughts about God now? Well, I mean, I would imagine it's always constantly evolving 
in, 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 a, in a large way. I mean, I, I hope people are open-minded. I think that that's important. Whatever you believe, it's it's just being open-minded to, to check all possibilities. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's very, very human nature-like. And, and I think that, you know, down the line, I mean, what was became rather an issue with counting the cars. I mean, I, I had people giving me death threats, you know, how, how dare you say God is a woman, you know, if you, you're going to hell <laughs> and I'm going to help. Yeah. Here's a picture of my nine millimeter. Um, so I was getting a lot of like, you know, I mean, in a lot of probably certainly a lot more from a supportive perspective, right. but there was, you know, it's like things like that really do stir emotion in people. And some people were really upset about it. And uh, I would imagine that farther down the line and hopefully in our, our human evolution that that people will be surprised that that was an issue right it's not a big deal no not at all but now it's not nothing threatening about that of course yeah yeah (laughs) right well yeah it's a problem now in this you know quote-unquote cancel culture now that it's become you know if you don't like something you want to you know just get rid of it where before there was like you know an honest discussion about it you know right unfortunately now it's not like that no, no, no. It's, 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 it's weird. I had a friend hang up on me the other day in a conversation that we started talking and we haven't spoken in a while. We started talking about politics and, and, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, this and that. And I started to maybe paint a slightly different picture than what he was as maybe an option. All of a sudden the phone's dead. Right. I even tried calling him back thinking that clearly we must've been cut off, but he was like done. That's it. We're done. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I mean, what, you know, uh, debate is great and it's I have friends that completely disagree with me in a lot of different ways but we, we get on brilliantly and it doesn't make them a bad person so yeah it's it's it is an odd thing for people to now be like if anybody says any if anybody says that yeah I'm I'm defriending them and I never want to speak to them again you know right. which yeah. is come on I know I, I have friends who don't share my views and we debate or, or respect his views respects mine and we move on right. you know absolutely or, or someone we just, you know, kind of steer clear of those topics. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah both those. <laughs> right, it's, it's just, it ends up being like, you know, Christmas with family, extended family that shows up, you know? Yeah. Uncle, Uncle Robert, you just don't talk about stuff like that with Uncle Robert, okay? Yeah. Don't, you know. Yeah, beers in them. You don't want to do that, no. <laughs> right. yeah. Don't mention hunting. Right. He'll, he'll go mental. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I'm gonna ask this question. I'm sure you've heard yeah. it nine million times, but what was the final tally in counting the cars? Oh, so it's still counting. Still counting. You know, the funny thing is, and this is I'm not. This is no BS. Yeah. Um, my wife and I are driving uh, to go trade in our car for a new one. Okay. And it will be the first. Well, actually, I can't say it will be the first one, but well, car. I guess it would be. It's gonna be a blue car. Oh. <laughs> So we were actually looking to get it in, in black instead, but it, it, this particular car has certain options or whatever that, you know, we wanted. And the only one they have is in blue. So it's fate. So we're still counting. You're we're still, still counting. counting. Right. I, are you going to take a picture and post it? <laughs> I should. Yeah. <laughs> I had um, Jack Hughes on, who's the lead singer of Wang Chung. Uh, like a couple years ago, and of course, you know, everyone, you know, have fun tonight and ask him what the meaning of everyone Wang Chung was. And of course, he's like, I'm going to my grave 
not telling anybody what that means. So I'm, I'm sure you get the same thing about, you know, counting the yeah. cars. So. <laughs> well, I, I've always thought that he just kind of th threw it out there because it sounded cool and that yeah. it doesn't really mean anything. Right. I'm sure that's what it is. He just you know, doesn't have a good answer. So he's like, I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, so just keep, keep it mysterious. Exactly. That's a good answer. Right. Now, I'm sure that song has been like a blessing and a curse for you. You know, more, more so a blessing. But because um, everyone's like, oh, Counting Blue Cars, that's the song. That's the only song you guys are known for. And you, which yeah. unfortunately, that's not the case. But um, was, did you ever come to a point in your career that you re resented that song? No, never. But, yeah, no, never. I mean, I'm, I'm hugely grateful that that song connected in the way that it did. I mean, so much of it is timing and, right. you know, I, maybe just a bit of luck. You know, honestly, because um, I wasn't expecting it to happen. Right. You know, you just don't, you know, I was pretty young. So it was just kind of going with the flow. And it's kind of next thing you know, you have a number one hit. And it's a bit surreal. Like, really? That was easy. <laughs> right. I mean, it wasn't because I mean, I, I mean, you know, I've been writing songs since I was nine. So it's not like I, it's you know, like just happened to write a song and it was a hit kind of thing. I, I certainly worked hard, but um yeah, I just weren't really expecting it to to blow up in that way, um, and and it is hard to do that because I you know I've I've written much better songs since right. then that nobody will ever hear because it's just you know the the, the universe just said no it's not it's, now it's not the time for all these things to to right. intersect so um, which is fine you know so so thank God for that song because in a lot of ways it's a song that. Um, so many people know that it does still, when I write something new, it's, it's, that's how I make a connection with them. Yeah. You know? Now, um, like I imagine you toured everywhere, for, you know, after that album, I mean, on like all those late night shows, any like memorable experiences from those? Yeah, I mean, plenty. Um, gosh, you know, um, I, uh, <laughs> um yeah i mean there's quite quite a few funny things that are just odd things that always i guess happen i mean i, I know like being at the billboard awards was kind of a pinnacle for me because we we won rock song of the year and we beat metallica which is like that's yeah. crazy in itself right. um and then we went to perform the song and the front row is just all superstars you know, Mariah Carey and Santana and Sting and, you know, just, and they're all, you know, five feet away from me while, you know, in this huge theater in Las Vegas that you're playing at. And, you know, they're all very stoic. <laughs> it's not like your normal front row when you're playing a show for your own fans, you know, it's, they're kind of like, yeah, been here, done this, let's, let's see what you got. Right. So that was a bit, you know, it was, it was really cool, but, but terrifying at the same time, because I remember thinking, Right. I can't believe I'm singing to these people right now. Yeah, that are you know absolute you know pieces of history here. There's this young young knucklehead kid you know, yeah, singing about blue cars. I mean, it's like really, right. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, I think a lot of those kind of moments would happen where you find yourself in in, in odd situations like that with people, and and um, I, I remember when the song was climbing up the charts, um, playing a festival 
somewhere on the East Coast somewhere. And for a radio station, as you know, one of those big things when they have a million bands that come and play. And so usually when you do that, all of the artists are usually staying at the same hotel. So, which is pretty hilarious because when you walk into the, you know, the entrance to the hotel in the lobby and it, sh it, it looks like a movie set, you know, because it's all these characters wearing all these crazy outfits and, you know, obviously personalities just galore, right? Just brilliant. And a lot of people you'll recognize. You're like, oh, that's Gwen Stefani or, you know, whatever it might be. So, and I remember getting, going to the, or to the uh, elevator, hopping on and I was had to go all the way up to the top. And we went up a couple uh, floors and the door, I was on it by myself. It was late. And all these guys get on and, and clearly a reggae band. And then as I, I look at it, I'm like, this is UB, I'm on, the, I'm on the same, this is UB40. Awesome. <laughs> right? I was like, cool, man. These guys are badass. Right. And so I was chatting with one of the guys and one of the guys is like, hey, man, because um, we had done sound checks earlier that day. He's like, oh, you're in that, you're in that, that band, you know, the song about God or whatever it is. I'm like, yeah. He's like. Yeah, man, that song's doing pretty well. How's, how's it going? I said, well, you know, it's, you know, we're talking kind of figures like, well, you know, it's, there's no real burn yet. And it's picked up. It's in the top 20 now and it's moving, blah, blah, blah. And the whole time the lead singer, I don't know his name, the blonde guy, whatever. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's just sat there quietly, never said anything to me. Yeah. And then we get up to the next thing and the doors open as they were going to, to some party on some floor and I was heading all the way to the top. And so they all get off and just as the door is closing, he turned around, he turns around and he just looks at me and says, we're number one. And the doors go. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, fair enough. Right. Cool. What was that? It was Can't Help Fall in Love? Is that the remake? Is that the song? I don't know. Um, yeah, something. Whatever they had going in like 96 or 95, 96, somewhere in there. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, yeah, that was pretty funny. So anyway, you remember? I, I swear to God, I was not bragging. I felt very, you know, I was very self-deprecated moment there with these guys that have all, you know, even though they didn't really write any of the songs, they all had they they made them into amazing, hit, you know, number one hits. And this guy's just, you know, they have a lifetime career for right. themselves. It's yeah. really great. And he did ask you the question. You just answered it. Right. You know, it's, right. he did. He did. You know, I mean, yeah, it's not like they're like flashing around, like you know, anyone who comes in the elevator. Hey, yeah, like, you know. So right, yeah, yeah. It's like our our one song. Okay, right. Right. Yeah, quite a few Anyway, but he just wanted to make sure I knew. I guess I don't know. It was quite well, funny. Yeah, you remember where you were the first time you heard it on the radio? You know, I don't. Oh, yes, I do actually. Um, I was driving down to Los Angeles from Santa Barbara, and I was on the the one hundred and one freeway, right? goes right through Hollywood. I was heading down to the lay to label to do some interview thing or something like that. And I was driving and I look over and there's this girl singing at the top of her lungs in this car next to me. And I was like, and I, you know, it's funny, you see people do that often and she was in it. I mean, you know, the all the hand motions and everything. And so I was cracking up and I reached over to turn the radio on and it was K rock, which is like a big station there. And it was counting blue cars. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then I realized that's what she was singing. Oh, that's awesome the car next to me so that was like that was a pretty awesome moment i was like wow okay that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool yeah what about like the most interesting place you've heard it um <laughs> um right well i guess you know i mean i've heard it in gosh and just really odd countries you know like in 
you know, like Africa or something like that. And somebody goes up and sings it at karaoke or something like that. And you, you're just like, what? <laughs> so yeah, those, those are weird moments for, you know, yeah. Find it. Yeah. I'm amazed. Right. Now, the the follow-up, I mean, there must've been a lot of pressure on, on you guys. Cause I'm sure the record company is like, we want, you know, another, you know, counting blue cars. I'm, I'm sure that that had to be difficult, but I mean, you, you said you've written you know better songs and until mm-hmm. I wake up I think it's a, a much better song. I, yeah, I love me too. That song. Yeah, and but um, obviously the album didn't do as well. It was that had to be like pretty disappointing? Then. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was tough. I mean, 
again, it's like we our our wonderful A and R person we had had wasn't with the label anymore, and so we were put with someone else, and and then the label itself was sold because its parent company was sold to another parent company, and so all the people involved changed right in the middle of us about to put this next album out. So you know it was basically really shelved. Um, the first single didn't hit radio well, but we didn't really have anybody working it. I don't know. I think that if we had had a chance to get to uh, Until They Wake Up as like a second or third single, it would have maybe, you know, connected in the same way because I thought that was a strong song. It's just not in radio land. It's that's not a, a, a lead off single. Right. You know, it's too dreamy and, and slow. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. Now I know you guys had an appearance on Charms. It's like one of my like wife's favorite shows. She watches it every day. It's it's annoying. No offense, but uh, I remember your your, your appearance. Um, did that help you guys? Did that give you any a push? Oh, definitely. Um, I, I helped us reach a lot of places that we wouldn't have been heard otherwise. You know, I mean that 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 show. Um, I, you know, has such a massive. Yeah. I had not only a massive following, but a very you know, active, passionate following, you know what I mean? So whatever happens in that show, people really embrace the ideas or the music or whatever it might be. So, um, and a good example of that is, um, I don't think it was charmed as much as we were also had a few songs on uh, um, Smallville. That's right. For example, yeah. it's interesting because I think with charmed, we, we ended up getting into, you know, finding fans in Belgium and France and, you know, a lot of places that we maybe toured once, but we never really had put much time into. And then that TV show really helped out, you know, um, getting, giving us exposure. Um, but when I was just recently, or last year, when I was in, I went down to South America for the first time and played in Peru. And because of Smallville, that TV show, and having three songs on it, um, that country watched that TV show, you know, just religiously so they were really really into it and and um uh as soon as i started playing you know walking into a massive venue and it's sold out and everybody's singing all the songs it, it was because of that that show it's just mind-blowing right now, not I, expecting that yeah and i think smallville was like one of the first shows that like when the feature music after the show over would feature the artist and show where you can get it and right then, yeah 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 that really I, helped too Right, I, I forget the name of the of, of the music director. She's she's amazing, and she's doing a lot of other shows too. But um, yeah, she was very, really brought a lot of really cool music culture into the show and connected it that way. And and you know, really, because it, it, it does benefit each other because yeah. it adds more depth into what's going on. You know, because it's not like some pretend band that normally they might add, or or just some guy that's just making up songs on the spot. You know, and he's not really an artist. So it's cool. Yeah. So when the, the band broke up and you guys kind of went your separate ways, um, was it, and then it reformed, was it difficult not to join them again? Um, well, I mean, part of me misses being in the band, but um, I knew I would be unhappy being in the band at that point. Um, you know, just just in terms of, the way that it was operating, and I, you know, and it, and it, um, a lot of decisions were being made that I wasn't really a part of. 
<laughs> you know, it's just kind of the whole dynamic. There was a there was a change in who was going to be in it too, and the, you know, just dynamics and stuff like that. And I, I think that you know, um, bless them all, you know, love them all. But yeah, I think that at that point I was just yeah, I, I was looking forward to just just being more responsible for myself and, and not having to um, be in a band that felt like it became a very political thing you know every time you were doing something that uh, you know it's just i think we'd kind of for me we just kind of run run the course and you know and prior to that too it's interesting because when we did that last album um we had a different drummer and and pete and he left the band and then and but that was after scott our original bass player left the band as well um and then we had dan lavery from tonic bass player from tonic and he came out and toured with us to fill that spot um and so it was weird all of a sudden we were you know a, a fraction of what we were our, our label folded you know just, yeah. right Not too all, all, all those things that happened to so many bands so right. you know a little bit a little bit of disillusionment i think on on all sides which is understandable and so yeah i, I think i was a little more excited. so i just kept on going i just kept doing my own thing right um did they ever like reach out and say, you know, to, to, to rejoin or is like that kind of ship the sails? Is there already yeah. I mean, we had that conversation and I was really tempted to do it. Um, even with the, the different players involved in it. And then, um, but I was also right in the middle of doing my first solo album. Um, and you know, I just, they were immediately were, were booking things and doing things without ever checking with me. And so it, it was a bit of a conf, a lot of conflict going on in terms of yeah. my ability to do what they wanted to do. So, you know, I just said, look, you know, you guys just do your thing. I mean, I'm, unfortunately I'm committed to doing this. I can do stuff maybe when I have time, right. but they just wanted to move then, which is fine. So they, they, um, got Justin to fill in. Um, and then, and then Justin became the, you know, official singer. He's great. Justin's awesome. Yeah. So, it's great. I mean, it's like different when you replace say a drummer or like a bassist in a band, mm -hmm. see them live. I mean, you know, Justin's great, but like you are the heart. It's all of those songs. Yeah. So, and it's like, okay, I'm seeing, I want to say a cover version of it, but it's like a different version of the band. If, if you know yeah, what it's it is a little weird. I mean, um, I mean, clearly it's you know being the principal songwriter and then and then yeah you know singers. It has nothing to do with me personally. It's just right. the way that the instrumentation works. It, it's so much because we we would you know we had three different bass players the last tour that we did. Nobody batted an eye, you know, and, and nothing against Scott or any of those bass players. It's just that you know we're not rushed, so it's not about the bass player, right? Right. who also happens to sing but i mean you know what i mean right. and so we just didn't have that those kind of players um so yeah you could you know we changed drummers you know that, that didn't matter they're both great drummers so it's all fine but yeah you're right you change a singer that that really does change things and that's that's a hard one to to do right. so i think that there was because you know other guys would leave the band and be like hey man no problem if that's what you want to do that's totally fine i leave the band and it's like dude you can't leave the band you're screwing everything for us you know kind of thing so well, Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 a it's a tough scenario to be in. So and and, and I which I absolutely get. Yeah. 
Right. And then your first song, A Beautiful End, which is is absolutely fantastic and you know has some amazing songs. Um, we'll talk about a couple. Um, Ghost of Sorrow. I think that's like my favorite of, of, of that album. Of, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, what's the inspiration behind that one?
Um, it really kind of came from my father when he when he passed, um, and just because you know I still think about him quite often. But I think that even more now that I, he's not around to have any kind of conversation, I, it's more the realization that he was he was kind of sad. You know, there was definitely something in his life that that he kind of carried that that sorrow around with him. Yeah. So, and then, you know, being passed, hence the ghost aspect of it. So. Yeah. Right. So, are there any happy songs you guys write? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I don't know what the deal is. It's like, I'm not a depressed person, too. Right. You know? And, um, but my, my, my wife completely takes the piss out of me because, uh, <laughs> she, because, you know, I, I am actually, you know, goofy and whatever and, you yeah. know, not, not, um, you know, I mean, obviously, I can be down like any, like anybody else, but um, typically up. But but I think perhaps it's because I do get a lot of it out of my system by writing these yeah. very melancholy songs, and that's just yeah. kind of my way of handling challenges, you know, and and yeah, difficult scenarios. And so I'm good. Right. But then now there's this song that's you know out there. Yeah. Yeah. So right. would, yeah, you wouldn't play too many like affairs, right? <laughs> no, yeah. no, yeah. So I mean, you know, and I've, I've tried. I mean, I've, I've written a few more that have been a little more up. Right. Um, I hard to say what the next album's going to be like, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's all part part of the journey. So right. in, in, in a large way, it's just kind of you know the songs end up being a bit of a a, a diary. Yeah you know, for, for the more challenging things that I'm dealing with. Right. And one of them I know, I'll Come to Tears, it's another fantastic yeah. song about your son. And that's like kind of through his eyes. Song. Yeah. Yeah. Even some of the lyrics um, from that were from one of the songs that he'd written. I mean, um, being mentally ill, you know, I mean, in the daily challenges and the fact that he does push through despite what he deals with on a daily basis. So we have, we have four boys and they're all completely different. Right. Um, and obviously Dominic, he's got, you know, a whole set of things that yeah. a very small percentage of us would ever have to, you know, right. deal with on a regular basis. And it's frustrating. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like tambourine solo going on. <laughs> Remember <Sorry>. the band? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, it, you know, just one of those songs that kind of crept in doing something um, about something, you know, writing about something that I just I deal on a I deal with on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. Does like, music help with him? It does, it does. Um, so um, for, for Dom, he has a, a couple things going on. He has, he has early onset schizophrenia, okay. disorganized type. So it's not, you know, um, paranoid or anything like that. Um, and he also has autism too. So he's got two things going on and, and it's interesting how they interact with one another. So, um, yeah, so from the autistic side, well, actually for, for both things that he deals with, because um, especially when he was younger, we're kind of losing him. You know, he really was kind of not really engaged in, in the world around him, which is, difficult I mean, to watch a child deteriorate but music was the one thing that really does ground him 
So, and, um, you know, kind of brought them out of that to a large degree. So it's, uh, anyway, so like, you know, so he and I, God, when he was around, uh, I think 11, we did a, we, we, he wrote and I recorded and worked on with him and recorded a whole EP with him. It's available on iTunes, <laughs> you know, you can stream it on Spotify. Right. But um, yeah, so it was kind of more of a something to do that was um, uh, like therapy for him, really, more than anything. That's why we did it. It wasn't certainly to, to make money off it or anything like that. But yeah, it was just to, to give him something that would help him stay, you know, connected with, with the world. That's great. Another generation of uh, songwriters in your family. Yeah. 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 Crazy, yeah, and some of his words are all just amazing because you know, even at ten and eleven years old, he was writing. Even nine, I think, even just writing some really powerful, deep things about stuff that he sees and, and is going through on a daily basis.
he's 20, about to be 21. So yeah. that's, yeah, you know, it's a whole new set of challenges. <laughs> sure, yeah. Is, is he your oldest? No, our, our oldest is 32. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they range from 1932. Okay. My oldest is 15. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, the youngest is turning one next week. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you go, man. That's awesome. Yeah, big gap. So I, got, I have to stay young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. No, it does. It does. Yeah. So that's so cool, man. Hold yeah, on. Absolutely. But uh, this was fantastic, G. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, after all this craziness comes over can see you guys uh when you come over perform yeah yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there again so we're just kind of waiting to see you know if there's any unfortunately venues are probably going to be the last things to really open yeah because it is it's the the, the most amount of people in one space at what time is going to be a concert um so we'll be the the last ones to join yeah. the world again i think so we'll see what happens. I, I will probably um, be doing some of um, my own live, you know, stages, Zoom, whatever things, um, just because uh, I may not be able to, to play for anyone other, other than doing stuff like that. So. Yeah, awesome. Where can people like find you like on social media and stuff? Well, you just go to jrrichardsmusic.com and you can find everything there, you know, whichever direction you want to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all there. Um, yeah, and uh, and I'll, I'll try to you know certainly keep that updated um, for any any shows and stuff that come up, as well as any new music. Awesome, uh, this was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, hey, my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for for having me. I really do appreciate it. And a special thanks to Gr for joining me today. Go check out grrichardsmusic.com. All his music is on there. It's fantastic. Check it out. You can follow him on Twitter, at grrichards. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter, at the personal 19 or like the page, Willie My Youth, on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. It's on SoundCloud, it's on Podbean, and also tuned in. And go to livingmyyouth.threadless.com for all your merchandise. A new episode comes in every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next week.